So welcome back. This is class number two of the New Testament, Old Testament synergistics. Again, you know, the term synergy is, uh, you know, you take two separate things, you bring them together, and the sum of the two is greater than the um, than just adding the individual parts. And so when we look at the New Testament and the Old Testament, if we understand how they leverage each other, then we have a better uh, understanding and comprehension of the whole of the whole work. And so, um, for the longest time, the the Old Testament has fascinated me. And I mean, in the beginning of my studies, I actually spent more time in the Old Testament than the New Testament because uh, it wasn't just the story, it wasn't just the uh, the sequencing of of events. It was just I was trying to figure God out. You know, and so there were a lot of things in the Old Testament that confused me and still confuse me relative to some of the things we read that the Lord has sanctioned and, and, and whatnot. You know, like he tells them, go in and kill everybody. I know. You know, children, <laughs> women, children, everybody. Animals. You know, I was like, why? <laughs> you know, you know, so some of those scriptures still. I don't, I don't, I don't understand them, because that doesn't sound like mercy to me, you know. <laughs> and you know, going, but other times, he says, you know, uh, just a man, you know. So it's like, Lord, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> and so that's why the Old Testament, um, you know, because it reveals the character and the nature of God, and that carries through to the New Testament. And so if it reveals reveals the character and nature of God. I felt that I should try to understand this, you know, and so, uh, and so, because uh, I didn't want to, you know, my biggest fear in the kingdom of God has been getting deceived by man, mm -hmm. and I never wanted to be in a position to get deceived by man, and so the only way to not get deceived by man is to arm myself with the truth of the word. That's the only way. And so, um, and so that's what I did. And, uh, and, you know, to me, the Old Testament has many more mysteries than the New Testament. And so, uh, and so from that standpoint, I find it fascinating, you know, just trying to, you know, figure out, um, basically figure God out, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so, uh, so I, I find it fascinating and, and whatnot. But uh, like I said before, one of the main reasons for the class is to arm people with information so that when you're talking to other people, that you can talk intelligently about your faith. Because people have legitimate questions. And sometimes we don't have legitimate answers. We just say we believe because we believe. Well, that's not going to help the unbeliever. You know, because that's no substance. And so, so you have to, in my opinion, arm your faith with substance. You know, Jesus commended the, uh, the Bereans because he said, you investigate everything that you're told. You just don't swallow what people tell you. And he commended them for that, you know, <laughs> because he knew that deception could be rampant. And that the only way to deal with it was to arm yourself with the truth of the word. Yes. Yes. And so um, sometimes, you know, just coming out of the prayer meeting and uh, sometimes I get into a space, you know, where prayer is going on and, and whatnot. And uh, we're, we're to be all things, you know, in Christ. And, and be. But sometimes there's this internal battle, at least within me, you know, with regard to what dominates inside of me you know i'm very 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 word oriented and so <clears throat> at times that doesn't leave enough space for my growth in what i call spiritual matters okay and what i mean by that is i mean the things that i hear and see people do that i don't see and hear you know but that doesn't mean it's not of the lord because it's not in here and so, because the word says that if everything that was written about Jesus could be written, the volumes would fill the earth. And so, obviously, there are a lot of things 
about Jesus that we don't know. Yeah. You know? And so when people are connecting with the things of the Lord and the Spirit, that doesn't mean that that's not authentic. And I know that. I know that intellectually. Mm. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, knowing that I know that I know in my spirit that what I'm witnessing is authentic, well, that can be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. And so I'm 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 you know trying to grow and trying to expand. But currently anyway, my wheelhouse is in the word. Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> I can go to the word and I can see what the deal is. In John 1 1, in the beginning was the word. Yes. Yes. And the word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, that, to me, that's a radical concept. You know, when I'm reading in the Old Testament, I'm not just reading about God, I'm reading God. Yes. You know, it's a different, it's a different take. When you say, this isn't a story about God, this is God. It's like, this is his DNA. This isn't somebody just writing something, this is him. In verse 2 it says He was with God in the beginning Who's the he that's being referred to? Jesus He was with God in the beginning How, how does that look? I, Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father How does that look? I mean If you if, if we all had, you know, crayons and paper, I said, draw, Who? draw an image. <laughs> you know, they'd all be different. Yep. You know, thank God that he gave us imagination, but we would all come up with different things, yep. you know, because we, we don't know. And it says, you know, he was with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning, but he was also God. How does that work? I, I don't know. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Everything that has been created, the things that we consider bad, the word here says everything that was created. Not one thing was created that he did not create. You see, now, we have things that we consider good and bad, but things are benign. I'll give you an example. Nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is neither good nor bad. Right. It's benign. Right. It's a thing. It has no character. It has no nature. Mm -hmm. What man does with it can power a city mm -hmm. or it can destroy a country. Right? Yeah. right? But it in, of, in and of itself is benign. I, I say, you know, I say this, I say it kind of in jest, but I'm kind of serious. <laughs> Social media is of the devil. <laughs> now it's benign, you know, it's just technology. But my belief is, is that man does not have the collective maturity to handle the technology. And so, therefore, what we see and what we get is the antithesis of what it could be. Mm, right. Now, it is that in some cases. In some cases. I found many of people I went to school with that I had lost contact with via social media. And so it can be a good thing. Now, I happen to be more sensitive to the negative stuff than the positive stuff. And so, hey, how you doing? Uh, so, so, I'm more sensitive to the negative stuff than the positive stuff. And so, I'm more likely to, to uh, conclude that it's way more negative than positive. Okay. Now, whether that's an absolute truth or not is a different story. That's the way I feel about it. But, um, but the point is, is that the technology is benign. Mm -hmm. It's not good or bad. It's just, it just is. 
and sources, even social media, was created by the Lord. Because it says here, not one thing was created <clears throat> that he didn't have his hand in, basically. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And so we see here in John 1, 1, that Jesus was there from the get, as we say. He was he was there from the jump. Yep. <clears throat> he, was, he was at... He, he, he didn't come on the scene, you know, when, when Mary gave birth to him. Amen. He was already here. He had already been here, and he came in bodily form, you know. I've got some questions about that. Like, okay, Lord, what knowledge were you born with? You know, <laughs> did you have to get taught or since you were, you know, at the beginning of ages, you know, did you purposely block out your memory? How, how does this work? Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else thinks like that, but when I read everything, I wonder these things, you know. And so, so anyway, we see that in the beginning, that was the situation. So, what we're going to do tonight is we are going to. Uh, we are going to examine, I've got this, the class kind of broken up right now into three sections. And uh, I'll let you know, I'm kind of writing the class as we go along. <laughs> and so, uh, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens here. But right now I've got it, you know, uh, organized in a triune fashion. So I've got uh, Old Testament scriptures pointing to Jesus. Because again, what we're talking about is the Old Testament and the New Testament and how they interact with yeah. each other. And then we've got um, the scriptures where Jesus refers to himself as the fulfillment of some Old Testament pro uh, prophecies. Yeah. And then we've got Jesus and his disciples uh, as a reference Old Testament scriptures mm -hmm. in their teachings and mission work and, and that sort of thing. So thus far, that's how I have this broken up. So we're going to hit tonight... Old Testament scriptures pointing to Jesus. Hmm. <clears throat> All right, so let's go to Genesis 3. <clears throat> this covers the temptation and the fall. I find some of this, you know, some of these things, when you're reading the word for your own edification and studying and whatnot, you read it in a certain way. Yeah. But when you're reading it, knowing that you have to teach, it's different. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because what you're doing is, you're, at least what I do, is I read in anticipation of questions. And so as I'm reading, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what might somebody ask about this and so it takes a lot longer you know in order to go through but what i discover is that the one who gets most edified is me <laughs> going through that process you know? and so i find some of this interesting first one now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals i've never seen that before now the serpent was the most oh by the way i'm reading in the christian standard bible and um, the reason I did this is because I ordered Tony Evans's study Bible uh, about a year and a half ago. And I was going through that, and he uses the Christian Standard Bible. And I was really interested in his footnotes. And so that's why I started reading that. And then I started annotating that, and I just started using it. Um, and it, it, it's a good uh, translation. I think I slightly prefer uh, the NASB. But... Um, they're very, they're very close. But anyway. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. <clears throat> the Lord refers to, you know, Satan as a wild animal. I'd never seen that before. It says, he said to the woman, did God really say, you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the tree, uh, from the trees in the garden, 
But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat or touch it or you will die. No, you certainly will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And one of the interesting things here is the serpent is getting to Adam through Eve. Yeah. And a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times, the ones with the most testosterone are asleep at the switch. And sometimes it's done not by accident. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those abdicate their responsibilities. And they just, whatever. Yeah, let me stop right there. Okay, let's let's keep going. <laughs> In fact, goes on. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And what comes to my mind is, duh, 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 duh. you know, because God told who not to do this. He talked directly to Adam. He said, don't do this. So she gives him some food, and he's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And it says, then they knew they were naked, and they hid themselves. <clears throat> it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, very provocative question, Adam? Uh. Where are you? I don't think he was necessarily just talking about physically, where are you? Adam, are you still with me? Adam, have you left me? Adam, where are you? Where are you in your thoughts, in your spirit, right. in your countenance? Where are you? See, just because he sinned doesn't necessarily mean, or doesn't necessarily mean that you have to remove yourself from God. A lot of us do that because we're ashamed. We're ashamed of what we've done and we feel unworthy. So then we subtract ourselves from the situation. That we don't need to do it because we do it to ourselves. Yep. So he's asking Adam, where are you? So Adam says, you know, I heard you. I was afraid because I, I, I know I messed up. I did what I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> and, so, and so then the man replied when God is inquiring about this. Adam says what? The woman you gave me. She's the one that made me do it. You know, and so then, so then the Lord turns to Eve and says, what's up? And she says, the serpent made me do it. So everybody's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like with my kids. I said, did you do so? I said, well, what about what? Right. <laughs> I get home and my son, my eldest, he was always doing something. I said, Adam, what, 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 what happened? He says, well, what about Lexi? She is <laughs> You know. <laughs> and so she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so then the Lord talks to the serpent. He says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock. He's still, he's still relating him to an animal. He's, because you have done this, you are cursed, cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. 
You will move on your belly and eat the dust of the days, all the days of your life. I will put hostility, some translations say enmity, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He. Who is the he? Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, this is the first what's called Christophany. This is the first kind of reference to Christ in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Most of it is subtle, but you know, some some are overt. <laughs> But the whole story and whatnot is pointing to the necessity of a savior. The whole point, as far as I can discern of the Old Testament, is to prove to people that absent of me, you are in need of a savior. That's the whole point of the Old Testament. You say, when you take me out of the picture, this is what happens. And I'm not going to leave you there because in the New Testament, I'm going to give you a solution. Yeah. 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 But in the Old Testament, I first have to put you on trial so that you can see mm -hmm. what it is that the problem is. See, before you can convince most people to do something, you first have to show them why they need to do it. And then you need to give them some reasons why if they do it successfully, there will be rewards. Right. And so, you know, the word is, is like a courtroom. <laughs> you know? And God is putting forth his case. Yeah. And so in the Old Testament, He's putting forth his case, and he's rendering a verdict. In the New Testament, he's given us a way to be eligible for parole. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> right? Because right. he's saying, if you do this, this, and this, even though you did all that bad stuff, mm -hmm. early release, baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. I just came up with that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that was good. And so we see here that he will strike your head. And so we see in the word, because remember the word is God. Right. So this this these scriptures right here, this is Jesus. And so he said, look, I'm at the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm at the beginning. I'm not retrofitted. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not something that was just kind of, oh, man. Ooh, that muffler is making a lot of noise. Maybe we can patch it up until we get it to, that's a retrofit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jesus said, no. I wasn't added as a last minute solution to an unforeseen problem. Right. Right. I was before the problem. Right. <laughs> right? right. And I'm the solution to the problem. Right. Which makes me wonder did you author the problem, Lord? I don't know. I mean, it's it just some of the stuff just, I don't know. You know, I just don't know. But anyway, so we see here, as far as I know, that's the first reference to Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, we don't know for sure, but Moses is credited as being the author of Genesis, okay? And so an estimate of, um, of when this was written is about 1500 BC. 
somewhere in there. It's about 1,500 years before Christ. And so we're seeing this appear in the Old Testament. So let's go to Genesis 12, 3. I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, or Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That's verses 1 and 2. In verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse anyone who treats you with contempt. Now, all of this sounds like it's, it's being told by the Lord to Abram, which it is. But there's a duality here because in the next, in the next scripture there, um, or the next verse, it says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Yeah. That is a reference to who? Christ. To Jesus. All of the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you because Jesus is going to be a descendant yes. of Abraham. But he's not talking specifically about you, Abraham, or you, Abram, will be the blessing. He is talking about you, Abram, in the previous scriptures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then he switches it up a little bit. And I find that a lot in the Old Testament where you have to look. It's like, who are you talking about? Because you think you know, and then it's, it kind of switches. <laughs> you know? And then it's like, huh. And I, I kind of don't like when that happens because that necessitates that I have to go down another study trail to, to, to try and ferret out what, what's being spoken about. But anyway, so we see here uh, in Genesis again, uh, the Old Testament pointing to and revealing Jesus. Okay. Now, in my opinion, the reason this is so important is because how can you show to people that they can trust the Word? Right. The only way, and what got me, you know, many years ago, was that, and it even says it in the word, I, I have to look up the scripture. Um, the word says that, you know, how do you know that a prophet is a real prophet? And it says, if what that prophet says comes true, then he's of me. If it doesn't come true, then he ain't a me. So it's very simple. If what a prophet says is, comes true, the word says he's of me, God. If what the prophet said doesn't come true, then what he's speaking is out of his own soulish nature. I think that's a very, very important concept. Not a concept, but it's very, very important word from the Lord that we adhere to today. A bunch of people are speaking a bunch of stuff. A bunch of people were speaking a bunch of stuff after the um, pandemic broke out. Did they come true? The word says that if they speak out and it doesn't come true, they're not a me. There's some big national prophets that were saying stuff. Did they come true? Doesn't mean they're not, but as of yet, the onus of discovery is on who? Us. It's on you. When I first started coming to Harvest, one of one of the things that um, my wife went to uh, Catholic schools and 
I missed that and all. And I had tried to to read the word when I was 15. All I had was a King James version. That's all I knew that existed. And so I tried to read it. And after a couple chapters of Genesis, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> I can't. I, I don't know what's going on. And so we were having a discussion, and she told me that, and, and, and keep in mind, there are a lot of flavors of Catholicism. Yeah. So you can't put all Catholics in one bin. There are spirit-filled Catholics here. There are, I mean, it's all over the map. And so she told me that um, they were not expected to nor encouraged to read the word. That wasn't their job. That's the priest's job to feed you and interpret for you. But Jesus says something different. You know, just like if you're a strong believer, saved, name written in a book of life, that means nothing as far as your children are concerned. I mean, they're going to have a better um, probability of, 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 of directing their lives towards the things of the Lord. But the decision is on who? It's on them. You know, so you can't stand before the great, uh, great white throne judgment before the Lord and say, well, you know, my pastor never explained it to me that way. Now, the word also says that, you know, prophets and other people, they have a higher degree of accountability towards the Lord. Okay. But the decisions you make with regard to the things of the Lord, that's on you. And so it's important to know and to understand what's going on here so that when you talk to those people, you'll have a clue. It's just like Philip when he was talking to the eunuch. Right? So the eunuch had questions. So Philip runs up. I'd like to see a film, a reel of that too. You, you know? yeah. So Philip runs up to the chariot. You know, the guy says, yo, homie, come on, get up here. So he, he says, this dude right here, who is this? And so Philip was presented with the opportunity to impart knowledge into a hungry vessel. But in order for Philip to do that, he had to have the knowledge in him. Right. Now, I think a lot of times people get presented with opportunity, but they're not prepared for it. They're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. You know, they get a question that stumps them and this, that, and that. And you know, there's no sin in I don't know. I think a lot of times people uh, find themselves in a situation and they feel pressed because they think that they're supposed to know what somebody is asking them. And so then they start pulling stuff out of the air. <laughs> What's that? That's pride. That's, pr that's straight up pride. You know, I say, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. But I know what? I can find out. Let me get back to you. But anyway, Philip had to be prepared when, when uh, uh, he was talking to the unit. And so out in the world, we have to be prepared. You know? And I see more people, when I say people, I'm talking about believers. I see more people enter into arguments, debates, and whatnot with unbelievers, and instead of just using the word, I mean, they don't have to quote scripture, but I'm talking about 
using uh, the word as far as uh, the concepts and what's in the word, but you can talk to people. You, you know, you can talk word to people without talking Bible. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so you can be scripturally accurate, nailing everything, but just using plain English. You know, because once, so sometimes when people get an inkling that they're being quoted, they check out. They just check out. They don't want to hear that, thus saith the Lord, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> so the point is, is that we have to be prepared. You know, because opportunity... I don't even think you have to ask for opportunity for opportunity to come your way. That's right. But the question is, are you prepared to deal with that situation? Are you prepared to be real with people, talking real word, you know, because it has been birthed in you and it, it, it resides in you? All right, now, I'm going to skip down here because I think that might take a whole session. One of the most fascinating characters to me in the Old Testament is Melchizedek. Yeah. And so you get in him, then you have to go into Hebrews. Yeah, and you have yeah, to, yeah. so we're, I'm going to skip that. We're going to hit that yeah. either later on Wait, or yeah. next week. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Isaiah 7. <coughs> 7. Specifically, where we're headed is Isaiah seven fourteen. Okay. When God is talking through Isaiah with regard to the Emmanuel prophecy and what's going to happen and so on and so forth. But, again, I can't highlight enough. A lot of times we just read those things and we're not familiar enough with the surrounding circumstances what was going on at the time that this came forth, you know? And so Ahaz was the king of, uh, of Judah and his brother, <laughs> the Northern kingdom and uh, Aram got together and said, look, let's go down and plunder Judah. Let's, you know, we can take all their stuff and split it amongst ourselves. And, you know, Ahab was, uh, Ahaz was scared. You know, he was scared. And so the word, the Lord was delivering the word through Isaiah with regard to what to say to Ahaz to calm him down, to chill him out. It says, when it became known in verse 2, when it became known to the house of David that Aram had occupied Ephraim, that, 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 the, that Aram had basically um, taken over Israel, the northern kingdom, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind because they felt that they were next. Right? They got my brothers. Now they're coming after me. The Lord said to Isaiah, go out with your son to meet Ahaz. Say to him, calm down and be quiet. <laughs> I don't know if the Lord has ever spoken to anybody, to anybody in here in those kind of direct in your face. <laughs> it reminds me. I was a senior in college, and I was taking a, a bunch of credits, over 20, and I had uh, five finals over a three-day period. And I called home, <laughs> talked to my mother, and I was like, Mom, I don't know if I can do this. So I, I don't know how long, two, three minutes, four minutes. I was just saying, I don't know if I can you know what my mother told me? I didn't get to finish. She said, shut up. 
Specifically, she said, shut up, Michael. Stop whining. This is my mother. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm calling home expecting what? Sympathy, <laughs> compassion, mercy. It'll be okay. You know, <laughs> that's not what I got. So when I hung up with her, I was livid. I was mad, you know. And so, you know, I dug my heels in, did what I was supposed to do, and, you know, everything turned out. But I'll never forget that because I got totally what I was not expecting. <clears throat> That's a manifestation of love, actually. Yeah. You know, because she obviously is older, more experienced, and similar. You know, she um she was at uh, Wayne State. I think it was at Wayne State, and I forget. I just found this out a few years ago, and she was talking to her counselor, and so he told her. Well, you know, maybe you should do something else. Mm. You know, so at, this is at a time where there were a few black students, you know, in in the population in, in the student body, and so he would and I'd be willing to bet that he thought. He was giving good advice. I'd be willing to bet he thought he was giving good advice. Now, she didn't listen to him, but I don't even know why I bring that up. It's just, um, oh, I know. Because the same actions can be delivered with different motivations. And that makes all the difference in the world. See, I will let you talk to me in a certain way if I believe that you are doing so because your primary concern is me. If I don't know you, if I don't know what your motivations are, no, you can't talk to me that way. You know, that's not going to fly. <clears throat> and that should give us liberty to our loved ones and people that we know that they trust us. That should give us liberty to be honest with them when you have to tell them a tough word. Because they know where it's coming from. Now, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that in that moment, they're going to be receptive to it. <laughs> but over time, they'll see it differently. Okay, so we're talking about Ahaz. And so, you know, God <laughs> told me, uh, uh, Isaiah to tell him to essentially shut up and be quiet. I got this. Just relax. <clears throat> Let's see. So calm down and be good. Calm down and be quiet. <laughs> Don't be afraid or what does your translation say? You know what mine says? Cowardly. <laughs> <laughs> say to him calm down and be quiet don't be afraid or cowardly you remember in the Sunday service I did a few weeks ago cowardice is kind of positioned as a sin we don't think of it that way we think what murder, rape you know, 
<laughs> Don't be afraid or cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. <laughs> Modern day uh, translation. Because of these two blowhards. <laughs> and so... Uh, and so this is the, the, the atmosphere, this is the environment, the surrounding circumstances where Isaiah is about to get into the Emmanuel prophecy. And so basically, the Lord is, I think, trying to calm down Ahaz by giving him a broader perspective. So you're only, you're only looking at this. Let me show you something. <laughs> Let me show you something big. Who was the prophet? He says, open his eyes, Lord. And then he looked up and he saw legions of angels. The aide, he didn't see. So he was afraid of what was about to happen. Open his eyes, Lord. Let him see who we got. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and so I think this is the Lord telling um, Isaiah to give him give him a, a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Let him see a little bit more, because mm -hmm. he needs to calm down. He's yeah. he, he, he he just his ignorance is spiking his fear. Mm -hmm. So let's clear this up a little bit. In verse 13, it says, Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and uh, name him Emmanuel. Who is this referring to? Jesus. What, <clears throat> what testament are we in? Oh. The Old Testament. So again, we're pointing to Jesus. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. <clears throat> Let me see. Uh, yeah. So it says, therefore, therefore is there because uh, yeah. Isaiah is dealing with Ahaz's fear. Mm -hmm. right. He says, because essentially your heart has failed you. Therefore, let me give you a little antidote here. Let me explain something to you. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign because you are in this state, this emotional state. The word says the Lord is going to give you a sign. So that you don't so that, you know, you don't have to reside in that state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son and name him Emmanuel. By the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating courage and honey. See, this kind of, kind of a side thing. By the time he learns, it goes back to my question before. Yeah. You, know, you know, so Jesus, when you were born in the flesh, did you know anything? And if you didn't, why not? How, how, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> For the before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. God is telling Isaiah to tell Ahaz, this is the big picture, dog. This is what's going to happen. So you're afraid that they're going to come and get you. What you see here is that they're going to be gone. They're not going to be around. So put your cowardice on the shelf <laughs> and start being a king. All because the word is pointing to Jesus. So, how can we know or how can we trust the word? The prophetic words that are being spoken in the Old Testament, they manifest in the New Testament. 
So when I'm talking to people, part of my security in talking to them is I know this. And so if we start going down that trail, I can say, well, look, the reason I believe, or part of the reason I believe, mm -hmm. aside from my own personal experiences, is because of the prophetic word that's delivered in the Old Testament. They yeah. say, well, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Let me show you. The word says this and this and this is going to happen. And over here, this, this, and this happened. Yep. And we're talking, let's see. They said this is, uh, uh, Isaiah was written approximately in uh, 700 B.C. So now we're talking 700 years prior. These prophetic <laughs> proclamations are coming forth. So if we put it in current day parlance, if we were to say something today and stuff started manifesting, you know, in the year 2800, mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, Let's go on. Let's go to Hosea 11. It's written in approximately 800 B.C. First one. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Okay. Duality. When Israel was a child, I loved him. So this is, you know, God saying, uh, being proclaimed through Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. I love my people. I love my nation. <laughs> they were enslaved by Egypt. And out of Egypt, I called my son. I called my people out of Egypt. If you just read it just on the surface, that's what it sounds like. But I think there's a dual meaning here. <laughs> Out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod made his proclamation to kill everybody under two, Mary and Joseph escaped to where? Egypt. Egypt. Then Herod died, and then what happened? They returned. Mm -hmm. Out of Egypt I called my son. The Lord sent Moses to confront Pharaoh so that the people were being essentially called out of Egypt by the Lord. Right? Mm -hmm. Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt to escape the decree. Herod passes. I should say Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Herod passes, and they come back. Out of Egypt, I call my son. So this is a fulfillment of what Hosea is prophesying here. Well, so... Again, we have a situation where on first brush, it seems pretty sim simple with, with regard to what's being said, but upon further detailed analysis, see, wait a minute, this has another meaning. <laughs> you know, so the Bible is rife with types and shadows. Yeah. Yeah. So... The type is something that actually happens, but it's a shadow of something that's about to come. And so we see here that the Lord is calling his, his people out of Egypt, and they get set free. <clears throat> but the Lord is also calling home Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, because out of Egypt I have called my son.
how are these connections working for you? I mean, are we seeing, yeah. you know, how the Old Testament is just speaking Jesus, yes. Jesus, yes. Jesus. Yeah, let's see. Oh, let me hit that. And so if we go to um, Matthew 2, 13, it says, After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. So this is after, the, after Herod's decree. And stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. Then it says in verse 15, he stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt, I called my son. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah. so we see here that Matthew 2.15 is referring to Hosea 1. Out of Egypt, I call my son. And so the word is basically testifying to the word. Yeah. The Old Testament here is testifying to the New Testament. The Old Testament or the New Testament is revealing the manifestation of the Old Testament, even though when we just read Hosea 1, we could assume it's just talking about the Israelites coming out of Egypt. Let's go to Psalm 22, 1. The word says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words? of groaning. Now, who has written this? David. David. Is David referring to Jesus or to himself? How about both? Remember, David's on the lamb, right? Yeah. He's living in caves. He's sleeping under rocks. He's sleeping with one eye closed and one eye open. He's looking for Saul and his minions. You know, I can't imagine he has a good night's rest. So he's on the lookout. And so remember, he's been told that you're going to be the king. God has appointed you. Now, if the Lord had told you something like that, and you find yourself on the run, mm -hmm. you know, in our current day thing, sleeping under expressway overpasses, <laughs> you know, looking out for, for who's coming to get you, you know, going into bad neighborhoods, hopefully escaping, you know. And if somebody had told you, look, you're going to be the man in this city or this state or whatever, and this is what you're doing. What would you think? I'd be thinking whoever told me that was lying to me. Because why am I running? Did, did you think that David thought in these times that he was going to escape? I'm not sure, in reading through some of the Psalms, I'm not sure he thought that he was going to actually come out of this thing victorious. Yeah. 
So he's running. So we see here, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my uh, um, words of groan? <clears throat> and so I think it means both here. So if we go to Matthew 27, 46. Verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Coincidence? Pro or prophetic manifestation? I could be wrong, but I don't think David saw Jesus. I think David saw David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Let's go to Psalms 22, 7 and 8. So David is saying, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by, this is verse 6, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. He relies, and they say, he relies on the Lord. Let him save himself. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. Look at that. This is David talking about who? This is David talking about David. He said, look, Lord, everywhere I go, I'm despised. People are mocking on me. You know, people are mocking me doing this, that, and all that. What, you know, what's the deal here? Well, let's go to Matthew 27, 39. And the word says, those who passed by, this is Jesus uh, on the cross, those who passed by were yelling insults at him, <laughs> shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Slight different verbiage here, but basically it's the same <laughs> message. It's the same thing. Jesus, uh, David is crying out to the Lord with regard to his plight. Mm -hmm. Jesus isn't crying out here. This is just Matthew telling right. um, what he had seen or what we presume he had seen because there's some, there's some borrowing of scriptures between <coughs> books. And so, you know, I think the assumption is, is that Mark was the first one written, and it seems like some of what he wrote was was borrowed in some of the other books. I don't know if these are eyewitness testimonies or if they are recanting something that somebody else said. In verse 43, it says, he trusts in God, let, him, let God rescue him. Uh, if he takes pleasure in him, for he said, I am the son of God. Right. Now, David didn't say he said, I am the son of God, but everything before that, David said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's go to... Psalms 22, 16 through 18. Mm 
David says, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has crossed in on, has closed in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. Do we need to go into Matthew to see? <laughs> I mean, when, when I'm preparing and going through some of the stuff, I just sit back sometimes. It's like, it just, it amazes me. Um, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to call it for the night because we're going to digest and unpack Isaiah 53. Okay. And I don't have enough time to do that. And I want to, because I don't want to break that, and I don't want to break, I don't want to separate uh, Melchizedek. And so uh, we're going to hit both of those next week. Okay?